It's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Got an opinion? You can call the show on the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Sound off on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. This Kansas State program has been an Achilles heel for Oklahoma in recent years. Kansas State's won two of the last three matches. Not great memories, yeah. I think this is a good fit for uh, Adrian Martinez, now the transfer quarterback from Nebraska. Uh, Deuce Vaughn is leading the uh, Big 12 in rushing yards. He's tough to stop. And this is a more talented defense than what they played last week in Nebraska. So this is going to be a tight game. I'm taking the 13 points. I'm telling you right now, Kansas State, I don't know what it is, Danny, They've got kind of that, that secret sauce to slow some things down with that Oklahoma offense. And I don't know that this Oklahoma team is as good as what they've been in the past. I think they're building towards that. But it's going to be a tough challenge for the Sooners. Well, there's Brady Quinn of Fox Sports saying, uh, hold on to your butts on Saturday because it might be a really close game against Kansas State. Haven't you heard? They got Deuce Vaughn, who's really good, and a defense that's the best OU's going to see all year long. I don't disagree with any of those points. I'm just wondering uh, what the vibe of the fan base is right now, Travis Davidson, on if they agree that it's going to be a super close game with Kansas State or not. That's, uh, that was interesting there by, uh, by Brady Quinn. I think somebody ought to tell Brady, you would think that last week when he was filling in for Gus up in the booth that he would have noticed that Brent Venables was on the sideline and Lincoln Riley is not on the sideline anymore. Um, That secret sauce uh, uh, might have spoiled uh, by now because I think uh, think it's going to prove ineffective against Brent Venables. I think the fan base, uh, for the most part, feels pretty good, especially after that loss to Tulane. I mean, I think we all know... Tulane can give you fits. They gave us fits. Totally get it. But, I mean, they they, they shut down Kansas State. And, you know, he, I, I'm a yards per carry guy, um, especially this part of the year when a lot of the top running backs have, you know, a, a, a good amount of uh, carries by now. Now, Deuce Vaughn, great running back, fantastic, leads the uh, Big 12 in rushing yards. But when you go to average yards per carry, He's at 5.7, which is good for, I believe, ninth in the Big 12. He's running so, for his height? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> yes. He may be like 5'5", five, five, not even 5'7". Yeah, seven, exactly. Though. Exactly. And, and, and that's the thing. I mean, it's even off of a 2.9-yard performance from Marcus Major, which, again, was skewed a bit because he had a one-yard walk-in touchdown, uh, Marvin, Marcus Major's right on his heels at 5.3. So, um, yeah, I mean – He's a great running back, but I don't think he's having the season that a lot of people thought he would, and and we'll see. And and not throwing the ball very well, I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm I'm not too worried about it. I think I personally think we cover the spread. K State was two of fifteen on third down against Tulane and one of five on fourth down against Tulane. And I went back and watched a little bit of that game today. Buddy, uh, there were boo birds that were happening at Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday and more than just one different occasion. They got shut down in a couple fourth downs and the boo started to come out from Kansas State fans. So 
they are not very happy with their offense up to this point, and I just found it interesting that Chris Kleiman had to come out after the game, or not even after the game. He had to come out yesterday and say, no, Adrian Martinez is our QB1. Oh, okay. Um, if they get off to a slow start, let's see if that's still the case on Saturday. But I almost feel like, man, that fans are less nervous than they were last week. And that's yep. interesting to say because I think Kansas State's probably a lot better team than Nebraska is. Yeah, I would agree Kansas State's better. Um, but I think we have the benefit of watching us go and destroy Nebraska. Uh, so that's obviously changing our mood a bit. But, you know, on the road, uh, you know, interim coach, you know, we heard all the, well, they're going to come out with all this motivation. Well, they were – emotion wears off after a little bit, and eventually you just have to play football. And that's where uh, Nebraska – forgot about that part but um i'm glad you brought up third down um because i i was talking to a staffer uh and he said that third down uh the week of nebraska was a huge emphasis from brent venables had struggled a bit on third down um prior to that but we look up right when he said that to me i looked up at the scoreboard and nebraska was two of ten uh on third down and oklahoma was eight of eleven on third down um, Finished you, you ten to sixteen. By the way, offensively, yep. pretty good. Yep, and and really, that game was over in the in the first half, right? So um, at least when Bevel got in with seven oh four left in the third quarter. But you know, the first half, I think you can learn a lot more about the first half in Nebraska than you can about the second half. And and yeah, two for ten, and then OU eight of eleven. You know, you you get now Kansas State at home, fresh off that three for twenty on third and fourth down against Tulane, and it you know. The night game's going to be a uh, a factor. I mean, those LED lights are going to be going. The DJ's going to be working. Well, it better, dude. Be Travis, I mean, it better because I have to hear it all the time around here, and I heard it last week like, well, man, golly, it's just going to be a tough place to play up there in Lincoln. And it was earlier in the game. But there is no reason, dude, and I mean no reason whatsoever, that the crowd shouldn't be a factor on Saturday night. 7 p.m., primetime kick, everyone's jacked up. How about Conference we start talking? starts. Yeah. I mean, it's, how uh, everything's, about, yeah, how about we start talking about that as like, well, OU's the better team, sure, but that home field advantage is really going to factor in on Saturday. If it always yeah, goes against OU, yeah, let's see it happen. Like, let's see it work in, in, in favor of OU this time around. Yeah, and I think it's got a great opportunity to. If not now, then when, right? I mean, Kansas State, tough opponent, 7 p.m. kick, um, you know, conference play opening, Brent Venables playing against his alma mater. you got the Selman Brothers statue unveiled before the game. Uh, you've got plenty of time for libations throughout the day to get you all ramped up. Also, it's going to be hot, like real hot, until the sun goes down. So drink your water. So if, if you have a water close to you right now, go ahead and take a swig as you listen. Uh, if not, do your best to go get some water because hydration starts, you know, the days leading up to it, not just trying to drink water uh, as the heat stroke starts to come on. So, um, you know, have, have your uh, libations, but also drink a bunch of water. It's going to be exhausting. I, uh, I love the spot for this team just because I still think that there's something to prove in this game, even though you're a 12-and-a-half, 13-point favorite at home. This is the best defense that you faced up to this point, and maybe by a wide margin. I think it's the best individual player that you've seen up to this point in Deuce Vaughn. This is a test for the defense to slow down K-State's running game, a physical type of offense that has given you trouble in years past. 
And, hey, the offensive line played their best game last week. Let's see him do it again against the best defensive line you faced. I think we all walked out of Memorial Stadium, or at least the ones that were there. The rest watched on TV. But we all kind of had the same thought in the postgame show of, man, maybe this is our first indication that this program is not the same. It's not what it used to be, and we saw it at Nebraska today. I don't know if Saturday is a chance to cement that, but it'll go a long way in people's minds, Travis. If you dominate Kansas State this time around, unlike you have recently in the trenches, if you're the tougher, more physical football team, you win in the second half, you start fast, then I think the people who are still a little bit unsure might finally say, yeah, this looks like a different OU team compared to years past. So I think you have that opportunity against K-State on Saturday. Yeah, and you kind of had, you know, you had a great opportunity against Nebraska and, and you took charge of it, right? I mean, it's very easy with like opponents to do that. I mean, we can say, oh, man, we beat UTEP, but it's just UTEP. Well, last year we were saying it's just Tulane and, you know, we win that game 35-40. to 40. So the, a, a, you know, characteristic of a national champion playoff contending team is to dominate the programs you should dominate. Now I don't want I don't want people to misconstrue that as if you dominate who you should dominate, you are a playoff or national champion team. It's just that the the teams that are do it. It's not that every team does it, right? So we'll Venn diagram for you there. Yeah. <laughs> Air Coverage Solutions text line. Let's get to a bunch here. Mike in Weatherford says, I'm a season ticket holder have been since 2017, and I'm completely jacked for this game. One thing that puts it over the top is some alternate uniforms, but not the bring the wood ones. Uh, Winking face emoji. (laughs) Mike must have some info there. Yeah, I I, I went on on about this, uh, like I said, in my my write-up, and, you know, it wouldn't shock me for them to bring some out. Uh, some things you have to consider. Obviously, they aren't going to be white because we are at home. So um, you have to look at the all reds that we saw during the party in the palace. Uh, I've been told those are Joe Castiglione's least favorite uniform combos are the red on reds that we saw. So I wouldn't expect Ditto. to see those. Um, the hockey team tried to design black jerseys, and the school said that they couldn't um, because black isn't a school color. Huh. Um, and they're a club which sport, is interesting. right? Yeah, which is, but they have to get the license. I mean, they have to get, since yeah. they're putting OU stuff on there, they have to get approval. Um, but Anthracite isn't a team color either. Um, we know they've, I believe, retired the Rough Riders, if I'm not mistaken. So I, th- I think Anthracite seems to probably be where things are pointing. If you're not doing the red, uh, like the all red, if you're not doing black, if you're not doing Rough Riders, like at a certain point, you know, you, you run out of options. And, and uh, anthracite uniforms, uh, the softball team has them, men's and women. I know men's basketball has them. I think women's basketball has them as well. So, like, there's other sports out there that have alternate right. uniforms and anthracite. So that would, yeah, seemingly kind of make sense. Um, what? Let's see. It's a test for the offensive line above everything else, says Shane the Train in Newcastle. Look, a, a lot of the same points that we used last week against Nebraska are true here, man. Uh, You know, Travis, you and I were standing out under an overpass in the rain, staring at Memorial Stadium saying, you know what, this game really isn't much of a discussion if OU has a lot of success running the ball today. If they run the ball well, then forget about it. We don't have much of a football game. 
And granted, I, I do think Kansas State is more capable than Nebraska. They're better. But same thing is true here. OU runs a ball against Kansas State. We're, we're most likely talking about an easy OU cover. Yeah. I mean, I know that I will be taking OU to cover uh, in this. I think, uh, you know, we, we didn't cover the spread against Kent State. Uh, we barely didn't cover the spread. I believe, what was it, 32 32 and a half. We won by 30, I think. Um, we were a missed field goal away from covering. Um, but that's something you're seeing from this team. They're either covering or getting very close to covering so far. If you look at the Nebraska game, I mean, we, we could have covered on just if we counted, you know, halftime. But, yeah, I, I think we covered just because that's what we've been seeing. And how different is it than last year? How many games did we cover last year? One? Western Carolina? Oh, God. You would have covered West – well, yeah, I think you would have covered Western Carolina if there was even a spread on that game. You would have covered Maybe Texas Tech, Tech and yeah. TCU, I think you would have covered. And then Oregon, probably. So, like, four, maybe five. We're missing one in there. Man, that's – Not very many, though. They weren't yeah. great at covering the spread last year. Uh, from the 479 area code, I'm worried I'm getting sucked into a trap because I feel great about this game. K-State has zero creativity in their offense, and we're completely one-dimensional. Maybe they were keeping it vanilla last week. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, K-State doesn't have – K-State's not going to be the most creative offense to begin with. I mean, they're no. going to do some things in the run game, but, like, their offense is what their offense is. A lot with Deuce Vaughn, uh, a, a lot of stuff with the QB run game. Like, will they throw out some more things this week? Yes. Uh, they kind of ripped OU apart last year with Deuce Vaughn in the passing game. Do I expect that to be a, a thing again on Saturday? Yeah, at least early on. They'll be it, they'll try to open up the offense a little bit more, I would guess, but what you see is what you get from those guys. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. When you watch Oklahoma play, like, you know, Kent State, and we spend the basically entire first half running the same couple plays, you know, to no avail, you can tell, like, okay, this isn't – like, this is vanilla. This is not open it up. We're not even throwing the ball. You know, we're not running any any complicated schemes or anything like that. Kansas State, like, they don't – yeah, they don't have that other gear. I mean, they'll do some creative stuff on special teams, I suppose, but their offense is what you see, what you get. I love this text. Kansas State's only flavor is vanilla, and I couldn't have said it any better myself. <laughs> yes, their only flavor – is vanilla <laughs> offensively, and a lot of times that's good enough. And hey, against I love OU, me some vanilla ice cream. Yeah, me too. And against OU, at times it has been good enough. Um, but that's that's kind of the thing, right? And that's the one of the big storylines on Saturday is don't let vanilla beat you again because it yeah. happened here in 2012, 2014, and 2020. Yeah, vanilla. I, I know vanilla has negative context. Well, it has negative context because we all. Um, root for or cover a team that has the option to not be vanilla they have that luxury but vanilla can be effective for a team like kansas state that is always very disciplined um they run it well i mean it's kind of like when you heard urban meyer talk about the difference between the two different defenses you have the chaos defense that is like what brent venables runs but you never know what's happening and then you have more of a more of a vanilla uh, defense that they're just extremely disciplined. Uh, they don't miss tackles. They do that, and that's what we've seen through a couple weeks, even with the defense. Right, first two weeks, 
I mean, you're giving up eight points a game, and you're leading the team and or leading the country, excuse me, in tackles for loss, of course, which we still do. And that wasn't exotic at all. It was just well run, well executed, disciplined defense. Well, so again, vanilla for some teams, vanilla works just fine. Kent State's one of them. Are there really any flamingos out there at Flamingo Fish and Marine in Ufala? Oh yeah, absolutely. Nice. I'm looking at I'm looking at a few right now, but uh, yeah, big big spot out here over in Ufala, the uh, home of the Selman brothers, right over here off of Selman Road. Um, yeah, uh, good big time OU uh, supporters out here. They've got everything. They've got you know tackle rods and reels, live bait, and uh, a ton of inventory here so come on by and check it out so we gave everyone an opportunity today on social media at kref sports on twitter and of course our facebook page as well um (laughs) if you could tell mike gundy one thing after his thoughts on ou last night what would you tell him well you all had a lot to say and i want to read some of those responses coming up next because there were some really really funny ones in there it is the rush tyler mccomas travis davidson keep it locked on the ref we're the homeless suitor fans The word is spreading, and the Ref Army is growing. Keep telling your friends and family that there's only one station for true Sooner fans, and that's the Ref Radio Sports Network, and worldwide on the KREF app. The heat's subsiding, nights are cooler, and it's the perfect time to cruise around in a new 2022 Buick from Dorsey Jones in El Reno. We've handpicked the new 2022 Buick Enclave and the new 2022 Envision for you to test drive from practical to personal, from style to beauty. That's Buick. This fall, cruise around in a perfect new Buick from Dorsey Jones. Dorsey Jones Buick GMC. I-40 and Highway 81 exit 125 in El Reno or Dorsey-JonesBuickGMC.com. Experience the new Buick. Hey, Sooner Nation, Coach Venables here. If you're in a severe crash, you're nearly 60% more likely to survive if you're buckled up. The team needs you cheering on at every game. So buckle your seatbelt because safety, well, it's not just about you. And his media availability, I guess he basically called OU a bunch of narcissists with that uh, comment there. Do I have that wrong? That's what it sure sounded like. (laughs) I just don't. So him saying, well, you know, we didn't have any negotiate any thing to do with their negotiation with the SEC. We didn't do anything. Yes, you did. You said no. I'm taking my ball and going home. Whenever we said, "Hey, we love conferences, but we would love to get you know Bedlam put on the non-con schedule." Hey, do you want to talk about it? No, you didn't include us in the conversation. The conversation with the SEC. Yeah, they took Bedlam off the conference schedule, but again, this game has been played 46 times outside of conference play. There are plenty, numerous other schools that do this annually, and yet Gundy wants to sit there and say, well, this is, uh, this is like a husband and wife. This is like a boyfriend and girlfriend. You know what? What it is is it's a husband and wife were working at the same place, and the husband took a better job, and now the wife doesn't want him to come home because they don't work together anymore. That's fine. We're not going to see each other all the time like we did at work. Now we're just going to have to see each other a little bit less. That's fine. And it's just it's the whining, the, you know, this coming from the same guy that hops on a plane every three or four years to go to Knoxville or wherever and then says, oh, you're going to give me a raise to stay at Oklahoma State? So, I mean, I, I don't really have much time for him. 
Yeah, this is from the same fan base that uh, always got annoyed when you refer to them as little brother, and then the moment that you try to leave and let them fend for themselves, they get all upset. So, is it a little brother move? I don't know, man. Sure sounds like it. Uh, yes, it s- definitely is. Sooner fans, if you could tell Mike Gundy one thing after his thoughts on OU last night, what would you tell him? Well, you have responded via Twitter, uh, which is amazing. Chris says, Sometimes you're the hammer and sometimes you're the nail. And I appreciate him being the nail 14 times in his 17-year career. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's really – it's kind of it's kind of sad for Gundy because he has done a great job with that program. I get it. He's had a lot of wins. They're probably – in his tenure, probably, what, top 10 in, in wins. I know they've been second in the Big 12. Um, but – the, the thing is, you gotta you got to beat Oklahoma more than you did. Um, and you've lost to them as favorites. This is a guy who was a favorite in three different – or a co-favorite to win the Big 12, lost three home games during that season, and then got a raise because he didn't take the Tennessee job and an extension. Brian I mean, Hill – yeah, yeah. Brian Hill says, Mike Gundy has bettered himself several times by putting his name out there for other jobs. Going behind OSU's back and putting his name out there to better himself financially and then wondered why Boone Pickens was pissed off. Hypocrites. Uh, this one says, if Greg Sankey would have called Casey Shrum to negotiate a deal to enter the SEC, I promise they couldn't get to the phone fast enough to answer the call, and they sure wouldn't have consulted OU about it. LOL. Big facts right. on that. Right. It's just they're, they're just upset, and should they be? Yeah, probably, but don't get mad at Oklahoma because you didn't get the call to come to the SEC. Don't don't be mad at us for that. We did, or Joe C did, what was best for the university and something that they would have done as well. And now instead of, you know, being adults, he did say childish discussions. Yeah, well, let's all be adults and get something on the schedule. I truly think it will be scheduled down the road when cooler heads prevail down maybe 10 years. But right now, this is just petty, and, 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 and they're, they're just being victims. S. Barry says it's going to be okay. Daddy still loves you. And at Nate Heil hits him with the, bye, Felicia. So, yeah, <laughs> OU fans had a lot to say today. Look, we, we, uh, we've already talked about this week the potential for a great atmosphere on Saturday night against Kansas State with the, you know, everything that goes into it, excitement, LED lights, everything. Especially if Bedlam is a non-11 a.m. kickoff, there's going to be some real, real venom in the air after everything that's happened recently, especially after last night. Um, I I mean, there's always going to be venom in the stadium when you play those guys at home, but dare I say, man, there's a chance that this year feels a little different inside that stadium when they come to town because we know, we know it's going to be the last time for a while that they're going to play in Norman. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a rowdy environment in Norman, but man, that game in Stillwater uh, next year that might be the last time uh, that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State for will play for perhaps decades. Who knows? Um, that especially them being mad about our exit and quote unquote leaving them for dead uh, when we go into their house. I I I imagine. Uh, I imagine there's a few more fights than usual. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some brawls that break out, and that's unfortunate. But 
If it's anything like how Twitter was yesterday, oh that's definitely going to be the case. Yeah, absolutely. That was uh, insane, the fights that were going on. I felt like you inserted yourself into basically every single fight that was on there. Every well, I every one I saw I was like, oh, there's Travis giving us two cents. So I didn't insert. So I didn't insert myself in, but the problem was, um, what was it? Uh, Carson Cunningham that used to work for one of the Oklahoma City stations. Um, he's he's big OSU guy, and he quote tweeted somebody, um, basically saying that this is all Josie's fault, and you know he he left because. Um, you know, they're breaking business ties with a business partner of 100 years and this, that, and the other. And I was just pointing out, look, like, we aren't breaking ties with a business partner of 100 years. We have we have played outside of conference play 46 times. Like, the, the, the fact that they're equating being outside of the conference as turning their backs on us and, and we can't be trusted and this, that, and the other, like, grow up and play the game. Just grow up. Uh, she will complain about him taking a better job and dang sure spend the extra money that he makes. We know who the scorned girlfriend is in Gundy's explanation, don't we? Uh, the SEC didn't want them. This one in all caps. All we wanted was some night games. Blame Bob Bowlesby. Pottstown, Pennsylvania Sooner says, OSU should love OU leaving. They're about to become a flagship school slash program for a uh, Power Five conference. Yeah, so, I mean, in terms of, like, on the field – and that's the thing is, like, Gundy wants to play this game and, and say everything he did yesterday, but we all know deep down inside he is so re- – relieved, but he's very, very happy he doesn't have to play this game anymore. Oh, he, no, his – the football prospects, they they dramatically improved. Not having to play – not having to play the one team that has dominated him throughout his whole career. I mean, he hit the lottery with this move. Yeah, I, it's a very, very good thing for him. And I know that he's playing it the way that he's playing it right now, but uh, deep down, maybe not even so deep down, he's, uh, yeah, he's very, very glad it's not happening anymore. So, I, hey, since we're winding down on Bedlam, what, what ranks is your favorite Bedlam game ever? Is it time to have that discussion? Oh, man. Mm. Um, you want to do next segment on that? Uh, I mean, we can get the, get the text line I, two, going. Two thousand three would be mine, by the way. But absolutely, yeah. the text line can do that. Yeah, I could say, I yeah, two thousand three would certainly be up there. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I've I've always uh, I've always you know we've had these conversations about OU Texas and things like that. I've I've never even considered. Um, two thousand three was awesome, was. just because there was that venom in the stadium that I'm talking about that this year's game potentially has. Um, now, in 03, they had beaten you back-to-back years, and there was some you know, pent-up frustration that you took out that day. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I think that that could be a really, really interesting atmosphere later on in the, uh, in the year. I oh, pre- it'll, be, it'll absolutely be more venomous than, I think, any game before. Hey, um, speaking of game day, we still got Jeremiah Hall coming by the pregame show on Saturday. Absolutely. Wow. Just another reason for you to stop by the KREF Army tailgate while Travis Davidson and I are on, uh, what are we on, from 4 to 6 on Saturday. Jeremiah Hall is going to stop by, uh, hopefully for a a couple of segments. So we'll be in the Hertz Donut parking lot pretty much all day on Saturday before the game. We'll also be at Balfour of Norman on Campus Corner. 
And then post-game, uh, we'll be at Yo Pablo on Campus Corner. So come by, see us. I am uh, about 95% sure that we're going to have some new uh, T-shirts to give away as well on Campus Corner, which is going to be really cool. Excited about the uh, KREF Army design that we have this time around. It's a different design than we've had previously. So uh, join us on Saturday. We're going to be having a lot of fun on Campus Corner. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Keep it locked on the ref. emergency repair at your home or your office building, Cavens Construction can take care of it. CavensConstruction.com or 405-573-3048. That's 405-573-3048. Tulsa, they're here to serve you as well. 918-282-7612. I'll quickly roll through some of these texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We've got uh, 2003, the Les Miles quote, let her rip. Yes, that is famous. Uh, 2013 was also great just to see the hearts broken in Stillwater when a shorthanded OU team goes in and beats them on their home field. Travis, if you'll remember, uh, OSU I think was a 10-point favorite at kickoff. All they had to do was beat OU on their home field. OU played three quarterbacks that day. Yeah, yeah beat a combination really of, of Kendall Thompson and Blake Bell. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Trevor Knight started the game and got yeah, hurt. Got OU hurt. still yeah. found a way to win. <laughs> And that game, obviously, was closer than the final score because, obviously, uh, Stryker had that touchdown late. But it's, yeah, I mean, it, if you got to look at OSU's history and say, okay, you have to beat OU when they're not solid at quarterback, like at minimum. Like if, if, if you can get them to have to play backup after backup, that, those are the games you should win because every once in a while they will have a Heisman winner back there. So you have to take advantage of the years that they don't. Well, that was certainly a year that, um, especially that game where, you know, with, with, with Kendall Thompson and, um, and Blake Bell back there, that, that you got to have that win. 2015 beat down in Stillwater. So much hype around that game, and Mixon and P. Ryan ran up and down the field all night long. That was one of those de facto Big 12 championship games that we witnessed. Because OU hadn't brought, or excuse me, the Big 12 hadn't brought back the championship game yet. That game is also probably the most famous, Travis, because of uh, the fan wearing the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer costume that got a little bit creepy there <laughs> yep. in, the in the front row. Yep, little bit, little bit. Uh, Blake Bell touchdown in the final seconds. Yes, the Ice Bowl, another great one. Uh, someone asking, hey, Travis, give us a breakdown of the game on Saturday and what you think the final score will be. I gave my uh, early week prediction yesterday, and I ended up at 35-14, so I'm interested to see where you're at today. Hmm, let's see. The offense, or the defense has been performing well. Um, I think they're giving up. If I don't count that, that garbage time touchdown, um, then they're giving up about 7.6 yards, a, or 7.6 points a game, something like that. Um so I'm going to say Kansas State scores 10, um, and then I look at what we've been doing, again, opening up the offense a bit more, conference uh, conference kickoff. 
got a night game. Let me go 30. Let me go 38-10. 38-10. Wow. A four-touchdown yeah, win. Big win, I know. It's a big win. But, but see, last week I said, you know, early in the week I said, you know, we're, we're going to you know, win by 18, something like that. I think I had 31-13. And then I think my final on Friday before the game, I think I pushed it to 42-13. And I got that same wow from you and Teddy. And even that wasn't close enough. I, yeah. So, no, I mean, so yeah, maybe I'm being a bit aggressive with a 38-10 to 10 score. But, you know, I got I, I should have been more aggressive last week. So I'm, I'm going to get in ahead of the game. I, I, I just think it's interesting. And, like, this, I fall into this category. Is my score prediction is much different today than it would have been a week ago today. And I'm not talking about the difference between my – pick for OU Nebraska and OU Kansas. I'm like, I, I, I thought that I would feel completely different last week about this game on Saturday. Uh, I mean, obviously, K-State loses at home to Tulane. OU dominates on the road at Nebraska, so maybe I'm justified in that. Maybe it should be. But And this is probably going to scare a lot of people, Travis. I feel much different about this game than I did a, a few days ago. Oh, goodness gracious. I, here's the thing. I think – I think the offensive line is much better. I think we saw that. Um, I think Wanya Morris being back in the lineup is definitely a plus. Anton Harrison had a great game. Again, not a great run defense in Nebraska. In fact, a really bad run defense in Nebraska. I believe they now rank 124th in the country in rush defense. They were 115th going into the matchup, but... Here's the thing, it's this offensive line, once you get a little bit of that swagger and a little bit of that confidence, you start pancaking guys, and now Wanye's back. Wanye didn't start the game. He came in in the third series. So, um, you know, they really started cooking whenever he got in. I, I I think what we saw through the first two weeks, and Tyler, a lot of your and I's conversations, were based around the offensive line needing to improve. Well, I think we're seeing a little bit of that improvement, and I think they'll – I think they'll build on their Nebraska performance. Yeah, I, I think the offense opening up too. Like the level of opponent, sure, but I think the offense opening up it helped out the offensive line last week, and they're not going to go back to being vanilla like they were against Kent State, which Jeff Lebby admitted to Joel Klatt that, yeah, they were pretty conservative offensively in game number two. You're not going to see that very much, if at all, for the rest of the year. So their thought, like Levy's thought, according to Joel Klatt, is that the offense opening up more is going to show the best version of this offensive line. They still think they're pretty good. They still think that they're pretty nasty, and that's going to show. And, I look, I don't think that there could be any bigger takeaway from Saturday than the offensive line dominating or at least playing well against a pretty good K-State defensive line. Like, we talk about best-case scenarios for each game. That is best-case scenario. Win the football game one, but your O-line looks really good again for the second consecutive week. Yeah, and, you know, you don't want to use the transitive property all too much uh, when, you know, comparing football teams, matchups are different, teams play different, everything like that. So you can't just do the quick math and be like, well, Kansas State only scored 10 on uh, on Tulane, right? Wasn't that 10-17? Um you know, so we have probably a better defense than Tulane, so now they must score less than that. I, I, I do, but but it, you can teach you something. It's not everything, but it's something. So we haven't really seen their offense break out uh, since they beat Missouri um, 
the Tigers did not look good. No, they're not a good football team, man. But, yeah, I think the offensive line, and especially with the play calling. I mean, Levy said that uh, play calling against Kent State, he was still running a lot of the same plays, just in different looks and different schemes in the second half. So uh, I think Levy's also learning about the the, uh, personnel he has, a lot about – you know, what he could do in different situations. And I think he's still growing as the guy. I mean, he was, yes, he called plays at, at Ole Miss, but, you know, he was kind of, Lane Kiffin was in the room and you saw some Lane Kiffin kind of passing influence in that. This is very much his offense, uh, you know, unquestionably. So I think he's still learning through that. And I think I think he's made big-time big steps in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and look, I'm not naive enough to think that Kansas State's just going to roll in here and take their loss and move on. Like this is, a, this is an extremely physical football team. It's not different than you know, the teams that we've seen before. You, you're going to get their best shot, man, and, and that means something. You're going to have to play very well to put up the scores that we're talking about. But that's the point is I have a lot of faith in this team on both sides of the ball right now. I think that they will play well. But Kansas State's going to bring it, man. K-State will bring it, especially after that loss last week. I think it puts them in an even more interesting spot. So, in no way do I think K-State's going to come in here and lay down, dude. You'll, you'll get their best punch. Well, yeah, and but that's nothing new about Oklahoma. I mean, we talked about this. It's we get everybody's best punch. There's, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, who gets ours, right? Does Texas get ours? How about every team gets ours? I think Nebraska got it. Yeah, I think Brent Venables understands the national perspective, the national narrative around the team, and I think that's why we saw such a dominant performance um, against Nebraska because he knew it was a showcase. Well, this game is in prime time, and it, it's kind of funny, isn't it, that that the the fact that more eyeballs were on the were on the uh, game dictated kind of how the game plan went. A lot of times, you'd say, hey, you know what. Game plan should be to dominate every time, this, that, and the other. Uh, but you see early in the season we keep a vanilla to make sure we don't get put any looks on film. And we probably would have done that against Nebraska if we weren't on big noon kickoff with really no competition in the 11 o'clock hour. So you you got to kind of see. I was told by somebody that uh, played on the team last year that Lincoln Riley used to call plays differently based on what kind of lead or what the score was. And I think we all know that's pretty obvious. Um, whereas this year's team just tries to score, like score every single drive, no matter what, all that. So it seems like the 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 philosophy has changed where it's a constant barrage, no matter how much we're up, anything like that, whereas last year I was told um, that wasn't the case. What's going on at Flamingo Fish and Marine in Eufaula, Oklahoma? Oh, just, just hanging out, see people coming in and out, getting their uh, supplies and and uh, getting ready for really the weekend. I mean, obviously, uh, fishing can be a year-round sport, but uh, with a little bit of this heat, you know, getting in those early mornings uh, out on Lake Eufaula is going to be a good one. So a lot of people in and out. Saw a couple people grab some ice cream bars. I know we were talking vanilla earlier, but uh, had them grab some of those strawberry shortcake ice cream bars. Those are my favorite. Is Skip Johnson uh, up there? Seems like he's kind of place. He's he's not, but – I was. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked uh, to see him pop in. 405-651-3439, Air Coverage Solutions text line. Keep it locked on the ref.
There's Danny Stutzman, and, and that's an interesting kind of question uh, regarding Jaron Canick. Is yeah, he played very well on Saturday, especially for a true freshman. Deshaun White's going to be back. He's not going to have to miss the first half after that ejection. How much do we see Jaron Canick on Saturday, if at all? I mean, he played to the level where you definitely think more about throwing him out there for some big snaps, but how much more run that he gets on Saturday will be, I think, will be pretty interesting. Yeah, and, and I know the fan base has been excited for good reasons about this kid since you know, he, he flipped his commitment, even before he officially flipped his commitment. I mean, the dude's a freak. Um, but, you know, it's funny, Malachi Coleman, uh, the Nebraska-based recruit, uh, overlapped Jaron on the, the track and field um, circuit, and Jaron was the only one to outrun Malachi Coleman, if I have that right. I believe Parker reported that. Um, but, so Jaron's got speed, he's got strength, but you what we can't do is clamor for him to start over Deshaun White. Deshaun White was having a great game. He got thrown out in the second quarter and still finished second on the team in tackles. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Deshaun White has actually been able to keep Justin Harrington off the field, too, in that cheetah position. Remember when the first, um, you know, depth charts came out, everybody's going, what, Deshaun White over Justin yeah, this coaching staff loves them some Deshaun White, and for good reason, he's been playing really well. So uh, I've always said it's a disservice to play true freshmen a bunch um, because while it is good for them to learn, you don't want them, you know, kind of almost like a Justin Broyles situation. Justin Broyles has been crapped on by, by so many Sooner fans because he got thrown into a position he wasn't ready for in the Peach Bowl, and they've not let him live it down since. So um i think you bring jaron along um slowly he's already been brought along faster than we would have expected with td roof going down to injury he moved up the depth chart so he's being moved brought along faster than we thought but brent venable said it he said he doesn't know what he's doing and it's amazing that he still racks up 10 tackles when he doesn't know what he's doing but when you check the tape and he does overrun some things things like that um, you know, he, he needs to be brought along slowly. Yeah, and, and this would this week would be a tough game for him. And he may get some snaps out there, but this is a game where if you're not disciplined in your gap assignments and you're not good against the run, uh, this team will expose you. I in no way think that they are prolific offensively, but if you don't play good gap assignment football, Kansas State is very notorious for exposing that. And at the position he plays – if you're not in the right spot, you mess up an assignment, it, it, it could mean a big play uh, in the run game. That's for sure. All right, Travis is at Flamingo Fish in Marine in Eufaula, Oklahoma. I'm here at the Brian O'Haver Studios. Hour number two of The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked on The Ref.